Welcome to the Profit Powerhouse Podcast, the ultimate resource for business success and growth. I'm your host, Glenn Poulos, and I'm thrilled to be joining you on this exciting journey. Currently, I hold the position of VP and GM of NWS Canada. Additionally, I take pride in being the author of the critically acclaimed book, Never Sit in the Lobby. Throughout this podcast, my mission is crystal clear, to equip you with the strategies and insights you need to not only establish a strong presence in front of your clients, but also to take meaningful action and maintain that position. After all, being a pleasure to do business with is the key to fostering lasting connections in the corporate world. Together, we'll explore the art of not just building a successful and profitable company, but also cultivating a high-performing team that's capable of achieving remarkable results. Whether you're an aspiring entrepreneur, a seasoned business professional, or anyone looking to excel in the world of commerce, this podcast is tailored to help you thrive. If you're eager to be part of the conversation, I encourage you to visit my website, navigate to the podcast section where you can sign up and stay updated and participate in the show. Our episodes typically run for a duration of 30 to 40 minutes, ensuring you get a compact yet insightful dose of valuable information. So get ready to unleash your profit powerhouse potential. Join me on this podcast as we delve into the strategies, stories, and secrets that will drive your success. Remember, your journey to becoming an influential person and prosperous business leader starts right now. Hello and welcome to another enlightening episode of the Profit Powerhouse Podcast, your ultimate destination for uncovering the strategies, stories, and wisdom that drive profit and success in the world of business. I'm your host, Glenn Poulos, and I'm absolutely thrilled to have you joining us today. Uh, John, uh, welcome to the show. Thanks, Glenn. Glad to be here. Awesome. Um, before we, uh, you know, embark on today's enlightening journey, um, why don't you tell us a little bit about your past, how you got to where you are today? I'm sure there's, you know, you're looking around my age, so that's, there's probably a, a fairly long, expansive time, but, uh, you know, I'll allow you to move the move the blocks around and, and uh, but I'd like to understand how you got to become the CEO of Venture Management Consultants and, you know, uh, just bring the audience up to speed. Sure. Yeah. Well, Glenn, I, I started uh, Venture Management Consultants in 1988, so uh, celebrating over 35 wow. years now. Uh, since getting started, it's been quite a journey. And uh, say most of what's happening wasn't really planned. It's just been an evolution. And I think that's one of the most important lessons I've learned is you have to learn to adapt and be resilient and, uh, and, and just find a way, so to speak, and, and, and to listen to people. I think one of the reasons my business has been very successful is because I've done a good job listening to people. And in fact, a, a lot of the listening is listening to people with constructive feedback let's just call it right you know and be willing to admit and be humble about you know I'm, i don't know it all and uh what so what can i learn and how can i adapt right uh, but i've been an entrepreneur since a kid you know i was i was starting little gardening businesses and caddying and uh mowing lawns and shoveling snow and all kinds of things growing up uh to the point where i was even loaning my father money uh, <laughs> pay for my older brother's tuition first year right. of college. Wow. That's my older impressive. sister buy her first car. So I was this kid, one of seven, the third of seven, wow. growing up just with this, I don't know, an entrepreneurial spirit and a desire to make the world a better place. What can right. I do to, you know, make somebody's yard look better? So and, what, uh, yeah. So that's been my my, okay. my growth pattern. 
I mean, I know you're a business consultant, but I mean, how do you describe that to someone's like, what's a business consultant? Like what, what does, uh, like how do companies engage with you, your firm and what, what sort of services do you guys offer and what's your specialty? Yeah. And Sure. Well, pre predominantly I teach operational excellence, which includes uh, some tools uh, called Lean and Six yeah. Sigma, Lean Six Sigma. Lean, uh, Glenn, is all about eliminating waste in a business and businesses are full of waste, just non-value added activity, wasted time in meetings. And it's in fact, Lean is nicknamed time-based management. So right. when you look behind the curtain at really well-run businesses, things are timed and sequenced. It's like a symphony. Everybody, you know, we have different functions, silos, groupings, teams, departments, whatever you want to call it, but they're united. And you don't get united without very clear focus. So I help teams focus and get aligned and create that, that, that power, that synergy of teamwork. Operational excellence also includes Six Sigma. So Lean's about taking out the waste and the non-value added activity. Six Sigma is about optimizing and almost perfecting whatever's left. Right. So you put these two things together and you've got a process that used to take 100 steps in 10 days down to 20 steps that takes, you know, 10 hours. Significant. In one word, Lean Six Sigma is flow. It's cash flow which right. comes from inventory flow, creativity flow, people flow, team flow, everything's in harmony and balance. And, and so that's what I've been doing. And uh, it all started going back to, you know, when I first came into uh, a business position in Chicago in uh, corporate finance, I was a degree out of Notre Dame in finance, worked for a couple of years. And I just saw how dysfunctional things seemed to be. I was a football player at Notre Dame. I was a quarterback and I learned about, united strategy and everybody's got to do their part or someone's going to get hurt like me. And so uh, when I came into the business world, I just saw a lot of opportunity for, for teamwork and for, for better strategies around how do we do what we do better. That combined with my entrepreneurial spirit, so to speak, has led me to, to where I am now. Right. What are some of the common challenges and roadblocks that organizations face when striving for, uh, I think you called it operational excellence or, and how do you maybe overcome them or some, some tips for that? Sure. I, well, and I don't mean this as an insult to anybody, <laughs> but in one word, it's, it's ignorance. Right. You know, we do the best we can with what we know, but the, the truth is most businesses don't know lean six Sigma. In fact, I teach that we do just the opposite without that knowledge. And what that means, Glenn, is that people are naturally complicating things, not simplifying them. Right. So as businesses grow, they get more and more complicated. And as they get more complicated, they lose focus on what the customer really wants. They lose focus on what value really means. And so they get, they get in their own way. And so what I do is I reveal to them through process mapping, through root cause analysis. And by the way, I don't do it. I, I take their people, teach them how to do this. And then their people educate the senior leadership on how dysfunctional things are, how, how it takes 10 days to do something that should take 10 minutes, <laughs> those kinds of things. So uh, it's, it's an enlightening experience, quite honestly, for businesses. They're not aware of how wasteful they are. So, the, the, you know, we start with data collection and we use the data through some analysis to reveal just how wasteful things are and how customers really feel. 
And then, so when we make changes, they're very measurable. Right. Can, here's where we started in terms of a baseline. And now here's where we are. And that's super motivating. So for, I've, I've grown my business for 35 years, Glenn, without ever making a sales call. Wow. It's all word of mouth and uh, referrals. And yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. The, when, when someone's going through the lean process, I mean, what would they expect? Like, I mean, are you shadowing them? Or are they are they creating a are they doing a, a time tracker? Or how do you figure out how they're wasting time? I mean, you don't have to give me the whole recipe. I'm just curious. Like, what would they expect if you came in? Do you uh, do you do your people come in and sort of shadow them, or or how do you figure these things out? Well, so we start out with a two day workshop where we teach them the tools. Okay. And one of the tools we teach is called the. It's actually the tool belt. It's called Demaic. D M A I C which stands for define, measure, analyze, improve, or innovate, and control. So we start out in this initial workshop with let's define and measure the current state. So let's take one of your products or one of your services and let's map it end to end. How long does it take? How many people touch it? What's it look like visually? And these maps can be... complex. Quite revealing. <laughs> so we're defining and measuring. And in the measure phase, we say, so prove it. I always say, you say you have a problem, prove it. Show me the data. You say you take a long time. How long? And what's the variability around that time? Well, on average, it's 10 days, but it might be 10 minutes to to, uh, to 50 days. That variation is what the Six Sigma goes after to get down to precision and accuracy. So define and measure. And then we identify what we call UDs, undesirable effects. These are like going to the doctor and the doctor says your blood pressure is too high or your blood sugar is too low or, you know, your your body mass index is, is off or whatever. It's, these are specific, factual, undesirable effects. And so right. we take the top UDs, you know, the customer's upset with us. We're losing money on this product. We're we're losing market share, whatever it might be. We, we, we take too long. And then in the analysis phase of DMAIC, the A, we analyze root cause, you know, we do root cause analysis. So why do we have these UDs? What's going on? And what we find is the systemic nature of the problem. Not just, it's not just a singular cause and effect. I, I call them leverage points. If we, if we do something about this one particular leverage point, which is a root, root cause, 10 UDs are going to go away or they're going to be improved. So that one or two things that you can do, and by the way, when I'm teaching, they, they're referred to as black belts, green belts and black belts. When I'm teaching Lean Six Sigma black belts, these tools, I'll have them actually practice them on themselves. So map out your current day, measure how you spend your time. You, you, you can use your body, your relationships with people, your financial situation. You know, you might have UDs like I'm, I'm in a lot of debt. Okay, or I'm in a lousy relationship, or I'm not in a relationship and I want one. Whatever your UDs, now do the root cause analysis and see if you can find those two or three critical leverage points that if you change that, you change your life. And so, I mean, you can use these same tools personally and individually. I have for a long time, and uh, people can use them in business. And and once you start seeing the results, it's it's very powerful. You know what I really like is that you've developed an entire language around the uh, your business and business model and, uh, you know, UDs and DMAICs or uh, I can't remember exactly how you pronounced it. But uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, and I'm sure I'm sure that really helps to uh, sort of standardize and allow you to repeat some of the things, you know, the processes and whatever. And you, I'm sure you teach the, this language to the people you're working with. And 
but it's very interesting, you know, all the acronyms you've got and uh, labels and which allow you to sort of define like a, a contract or whatever. The beginning's always the definitions, right? And, um, you know, it's so important to understand, you know, what are we talking about and what is the definition of of, of what we're dealing with, right? So anyways, uh, that's Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And, and a lot of people refer to what I do as teaching culture change. Right. I help companies change their cultures and culture. A simple way to think of culture is it's the way we do things around here. Right. So it's it's not just attitudes and people behaviors. It's systems and structure and policy. Right. Policy is one of the most common root root causes or leverage points. A change in policy can change all kinds of things. Right. So a lousy policy or a lousy design, design is another one of the deep root causes, whether it's a process design or a product design, you can imagine if we have a lousy design, we're going to have all kinds of problems. Yeah. And a lot of organizations have lousy, particularly process designs. It's not the product necessarily, it's how we make it, or it's how we deliver the service we we deliver. And with culture comes language. You know, every culture is... <laughs> Has, has languages. So a lot of the words I'm referencing and the acronyms, these are not mine. They're, they're global best practices. I've, I've used this with the United States uh, Army and Navy, Air Force, uh, Fortune 100s, and small startups. You know, it's, the tools are tools and you can apply them anywhere. The, um, what, have you noticed like differences? I noticed you work with large corporations, nonprofits, small companies. I mean, have you have you noticed that you need to apply operational excellence differently to those those company those kind of spectrums or spheres of businesses or is it all sort of really the same principles apply and um, maybe there's other little subtleties that are that are in play but I'm just curious about that. Yeah, it's a great question because I get I get that question a lot, Glenn. And the, and the the truth is that the patterns are all very similar. People complicate things in general. I call it the closet space syndrome. We fill up our closets with all kinds of stuff. Right. And then we think <laughs> we need bigger closets. We need more closets. I mean, we walk-in closets. Yeah. <laughs> and, and the lean Six Sigma approach is, well, let's examine what's in your closet. Let's right. take a good look at it. We do the same thing, by the way, with time. Glenn, how often do you hear people say, I don't have time or I could right. use more time in a day? Well, the time is the closet. And we fill up our time with all kinds of wasteful things and which aren't productive. So examine, and I, and I, you know, I do a lot of executive coaching, examine how you spend your time. A lot of it's just completely wasteful and you don't even know it necessarily. So Peter Drucker once said, you know, what we measure, what we measure, we manage and what we manage gets done. Right. So yeah. take, take, take some careful measures and, and time is valuable to all of us. So think about, you know, to your audience, uh, how, how do you use your, your time. And to your question about patterns, yeah, in nonprofits and in, in military operations and in businesses and things like that, the patterns are remarkably the same. You know, we, you've got an organizational structure of some sort. You've got a, a hierarchy for the most part. You've got a president, CEO. You've got a C-suite group of people. Maybe you have a board. And so you've got, you know, authority at the top, so to speak. You've got processes. Every business has processes. You can't really do a business without having processes. And what Lean does is Lean Six Sigma looks at five critical principles. I'll give them to you real quick. The first principle in Lean that we start with is specify value in the eyes of the customer. And the customer is the end user. It's not necessarily the person you deliver to. 
it's final in, in healthcare yeah. it's the patient yeah <laughs> okay got it it's so if i'm in a pharmaceutical industry and i'm selling to retailers pharmacies and doctors and hospitals that's not the customer the customer's who's who's actually using the product right and what is value in their eyes so you know the 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 user wants a cell phone that works that does certain things and uh but it might come loaded with all kinds of stuff that they don't want so we often buy a computer that's loaded with software that we're never going to use. So you start wondering, well, where's all that coming from and why? So Lean actually works backwards. It says, who are we providing value to and what is value? Let's be, you know, I talked earlier about focus. What's our value proposition? How clear are we in that? And that's different than a mission statement. A value proposition is very specific about the value, the, the problem that you're solving in the marketplace or the value that you're delivering to the marketplace. The second principle of lean is to identify what's called the value stream and eliminate any waste or variation that you can in that stream. So now you start at the end in mind, the customer's delighted with value. How do we get it to them? What are all the, what's the process look like? This is where things like value stream mapping and process mapping come in. And we just, we see how we've complicated things. Or if this is a new business, we see how we want it to flow. And the third principle is very powerful. It, it's, it's called make value flow at the pull of the customer, at the pull of the customer. And you see that in businesses. When Michael Dell started Dell Computer, the only way to get a Dell computer was to go online and order it or go on the telephone and call in and order it. And it was shipped to you within two, two to three days. And it wasn't made yet. Right. <laughs> That's pull. Yeah. We're responding to actual orders. Tesla's doing that. Uh, Amazon. Jeff Bezos started Amazon with the Lean Six Sigma model built in. So did Michael Dell. So make value flow at the pull of the customer. If you go to Walmart's and you buy a, a, a product and they scan it at, 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 you know, when you're checking out, that scan is actually reordering it. Yeah. And they're turning their inventory so fast that they're getting your money before they've paid for what you just bought. So it's yeah. like a multi-billion yeah. dollar consignment right. shop, really. Yeah. And so it's it, you know it's incredible some of the things you see that are going on in the world that are allowing people to get what they want very quickly. It's time-based management with with uh, with pull, not push. Push is where we're just hey, we got two for one deals and we've got all this inventory we're trying to right. get rid of and buy one get one free kind of stuff. There's nothing wrong with that. But that's not the, the the lean model, so to speak. The fourth principle of lean is involve, align, and empower your employees. So I often just summarize that, uh, Glenn, by saying we do lean Six Sigma with you, not to you. <laughs> I don't come in and right. start changing your process yeah. Yeah, wrong. Yeah. You right. change your process. Okay. You know it better than I do. I just yeah. teach you the tools to do it intelligently. And the last principle is basically we never get done. It's it's continuously oh, improved perfection. Yeah. And and so anybody who says, well, yeah, we did Lean Six Sigma in, in you know in 2010 and we're done, they don't get it because it's a continuously yeah. I, I often say people don't want a six sigma perfect floppy disk today. All right. right? So even if you get point. that floppy disk, yeah. That's uh, funny. The yeah. world's changing, so we, you know, let's 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 yeah. let's stay in front of the game. And by the way, you know, that, it, it is funny in a sense to think that way. But think about how many businesses, great businesses, big businesses, have disappeared. Where'd Blockbuster Video go? You know, yeah. uh, where's where's Sears today? Things like that. 
they didn't innovate and, and stay in front of the curb the, uh, curve they they got they got in their own way quite honestly yeah last week i uh I, I was struggling to find a CD player to put a CD and I needed to get some data off a CD and I looked around and we have all mini little micro PCs now. And I, ultimately I had to buy a CD off of Amazon, like a little portable one. Right. Yeah. But um, one thing I was going to ask you is like when, when, um, when you come in, like you talked about culture, right. But does, does the, the process that you do, like the lean six Sigma, does it really, does it, ha- does it have an impact or a measurement uh, variable based on sort of the morale around the business and uh, how people feel, act, and core values, and does that come into play with what you're doing? And does it, you know, is there is there usually an improvement that comes as a result if people are struggling maybe with culture and uh, or cultural morale, we'll call it, you know, and uh, adherence to core values and stuff? Does that come into play? Or? It, it, it comes into play immediately. In fact, you know, a lot of people talk about culture takes three, four, five years to change. We begin changing culture in a month. And the way we do it is through what we call Kaizen events. This is not a John Murphy term. Kaizen is a Japanese term. It's been used right. for a long time. It's Kai and Zen put together. Kai is to take apart and make new. Zen is, you know, peace and harmony and balance and rhythm and flow. In fact, I wrote a book called Zentrepreneur, where you're combining that inner peace and that rhythm and that flow with action, with entrepreneurship. So Kaizen is, it literally translates into good change, Uh, like good change. So in a Kaizen event, which is typically about four to five days long, we make good changes in the event real time. So I just did one up at Syracuse, New York uh, recently, uh, just, just a couple of weeks ago. And in one in five day event, we made 38 changes, immediate wow. changes. So by the end of the week, people are going, they just said what you said. Wow, I can't yeah. believe we, because normally it takes us months, if not a years yeah. to make these kind of changes. We all argue and debate and we meet every week and we, you know, and nothing changes. Yeah. But from a Kaizen perspective, by the way, I tell people if they if they say, John, we ran a Kaizen event last night. We're really excited about it. The first thing I'll ask Glenn is, what did you change? Right. Well, we haven't changed anything yet, right. but we got yeah. all these great ideas. And so you didn't have a Kaizen event. <laughs> you didn't have a Kaizen event. You had a meeting. Exactly. All you did is put a new word on it. Right. Uh, no. So the expectation is we're going to hold a Kaizen event and we're going to make changes immediately in the event. The number doesn't matter whether it's 38 or 10 or two. If they're significant and, and they're important and they make a big difference, then they're gonna we're gonna make those. So we write, we we rewrite policy, we rewrite job descriptions, we redesign process flow, we we literally implement the changes real time, and that's the culture change. Because that's not normally how we do things around here. Normally we meet and we have committees and we 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 talk for an hour a week and right. And, Sooner or later, something might get changed. Right. We're going to change it this week. Yeah, that's fascinating. And uh, and it's going to be measurable. Right. The other thing is, is when we, the Kaizen team is usually a bunch of middle management, middle frontline people. It's not senior management, but we bring yeah. senior management in to the Kaizen event to see what we're doing and to make sure the team does truly have the power and authority to make these changes because right. otherwise we have yeah. a barrier. And when the senior management comes in, there's no PowerPoints, there's no chairs, you're going to stand up, and there's no talking for 20 minutes. The team's going to tell you the story, and we're going to walk around the room. It's all over the walls. There's visuals, there's post-its, there's, it's, it's, it looks archaic. Wow. 
But that's another part of the change. We're not using all the electronic gadgets and making it look pretty. It's it's sloppy, looks sloppy, but it doesn't matter because our mission isn't to make a nice looking map. It's to use the map to make a nice looking process. Right. Process that matters. So when they come in and they're told, don't talk for 20 minutes and and don't, you're going to stand up. You're not going to sit down and get comfortable and you're not going to watch a slide deck. Right there, that's a car, that's a culture change. And and the execs I've worked with over the years love it. They're like, this is really cool. You know, uh, this is different. We don't do things like that around here. I go, you asked me to come in and help change culture. (laughs) That's what we're doing. And we're doing it real time. And now we're not doing a bunch of uh, therapy. Right. So when, so say it's a, you know, entrepreneur, maybe he's grown his company and maybe 70, 80 people, you know, doing well, but he's really got a sense that something's not, something's awry or whatever. And he wants to look at your, your service, your, your lean six sigma, et cetera. I mean, how do you present uh, the case for um, a metric of, before and after. I mean, is there some kind of a like a like a baseline that get, occurs that you can say like so that like, I can look back and say, hey, I'm better, right? Um, is that is that part of the process or? Absolutely, and this, so that takes me right back to DMAIC, DMAIC. So D D and M is the baseline. Okay. It's defining and measuring the current state. So it's like again, it's like going in front of the doctor and they're, they're going to take your blood pressure. They're going to ask you to step on a scale. They're going to measure you know all kinds of stuff. And then they're going to compare those measures to standards, you know, or benchmarks even. Yeah. So that's that's the first thing we do. And I, by the way, I don't come in with a team of consultants and do all this for you. I come in and I ask you to give me some of your best and brightest, so to speak. Give me some of your high pose, your high potentials. These are people that are going to learn a lot in a very short period of time. And you don't want to lose them. So, you know, these these are your next generation leaders and such. Give me a give me a team of people. I'm going to train them on things that will not only change their lives, but the lives of the, the life of this organization. This is this is powerful stuff. And uh, again, it's not mine. I have I have a different way of teaching it and and, and using it than than a lot of other folks. But but Demaic's been around since the 1980s. By the way, it didn't used to be Demaic. It was just Maic. There was mm-hmm. no define. You can imagine okay. the trouble with that. And Motorola is a good example of that. They had black belts around measuring all kinds of stuff that didn't matter. So let's let's be clear on our priorities. Let's yeah. define what really matters, right. yeah. like value. Yeah. So um, yeah, I, we st- the baseline, Glenn, is an output of the define and measure phase. Okay. By the way, I try to do so. I, I mentioned a two day workshop before a Kaizen event. In the two day workshop, we already begin the mapping of a targeted process, and then they have typically two to four weeks, like a month before the Kaizen event. What do they do during that period? They get data and they begin. So we leave the workshop with a a rough idea of the process end to end mapped and a data collection plan. So now they, they get the baseline data, how long things take, the number of errors, customer feedback, financial data, uh, operational data, inventory data, all that kind of stuff. We bring that into the event, and now we've got our UDs. We, we figure though we do the we get right into the analysis in Demaic, and then the I, of course, is the Kaizens, the improve the improvements, and the C is, is control. So once we make the changes, how do we make sure they stick? You know, that's where you you get into uh, visual control, statistical process control, 
a policy, procedure, governance, so to speak, right. um, those types of things. So looking forward, I mean, what, what do you see sort of shifts and trends and leadership and excellence that, that businesses should be, you know, sort of aware of or attentive to, I guess, in the coming years? Or do you see those shifts coming or? Oh, oh and they yes, and they've they've been coming and they continue to come. And in, in just a few words, Glenn, if if an organization doesn't know about operational excellence and Lean Six Sigma, they're at risk. Right. I guarantee it. A lot of them are gone. You yeah. know, where's Borders Books today? You know, you know, Amazon started out. A lot of people don't right. even realize this, but it started out as a book company, online right. book company. They yeah. were selling my books thirty years ago. Yeah, <laughs> they were just getting yeah. started. It's a lot more than a book company now. Yeah. And, 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 and so, and the other thing is that like in certain industries, in automotive, you, I came out of automotive in the, in the 80s. I was one of my very first jobs. If you weren't doing Lean Six Sigma, and it wasn't called Lean Six Sigma at that time, that Lean, the term came out in 1990, and, the, and Lean and Six Sigma weren't integrated until the late 90s, or like around 2000. I was part of a consortium that, that did that in Boston, really put the two together, because they were, they were competing with each other, Lean and Six Sigma. Anyway, automotive, if you didn't do it back when it was the Toyota production system, you, you, were, you were gone. And then right. aerospace. And now it's big in it's big in healthcare and pharmaceutical, because these these giant industries are realizing we're full of waste. Yeah. <laughs> right, I can you see know. that. Yeah, for sure. You know, government agencies, um, certainly retail. If you're if you're not doing this in retail, you know, good good luck. Yeah, Amazon will eat your lunch and yeah, Walmart, sure. and Target, and some of these, you know. Okay. It, it, yeah, it's a growth strategy, by the way. So if, if you really want to grow your business, you got to get out of your own way. And what that means is get out, get the obstacles and the waste and all the non-value added activity out of the way. Awesome. Okay, well, that's great. Well, as we're coming to the end, I mean, how can people learn more about your your company and what you do? And I mean, I I, I realized I even didn't even get a chance to mention you've written 20 books, right? So <laughs> where do we learn about these 20 books? And uh you know, buy a few of them for you, et cetera. So tell us a little bit about that. Sure. Well, I have a website, uh, which is uh, johnjmurphy.org. So johnjmurphy.org. And I'm also on uh, uh, social media, LinkedIn. As I, I don't spend a whole lot of time on social media, uh, Glenn, but uh, I have a LinkedIn profile. It's John J. Murphy Mystic. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and what I do is mystical in a way. It's... Um, People often comment on how I bring a Zen kind of approach yeah. into a, a uncertain and challenging world, you know, and, and that's I, I teach a lot of mindfulness and things along the way. So in yeah. this world of chaos and whatever, how, how can we maintain a sense of poise and, and, and confidence and inner peace? That makes a big difference. Huge yeah. difference. I, I remember that as a quarterback. When you walk up to the line of scrimmage. You better not be freaking out. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, yeah. So you've given me a ton to think about, and I'm sure, uh, sure the listeners as well. So I'm really looking forward to looking more into what you're doing and and following up with you afterwards. So I just want to thank you for uh, joining the show today and being a guest on the Profit Powerhouse podcast. And uh, you know, uh, look forward to talking to you again soon in the future. So thanks, John. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Glad it's an honor to be here. I really thank appreciate you. it. Awesome. Thank you. 
tuning in to another insightful episode of the Profit Powerhouse Podcast. Your support and engagement means the world to us. If you're brimming with expertise and eager to join us, navigate to my website at glenpoolis.com forward slash podcast and go to the Be A Guest section to connect with us. Don't keep this information to yourself. Please share this podcast on your favorite social media platforms to empower your network with the strategies and wisdom you've gained. Your feedback fuels our growth. Please take a moment to rate and review the Profit Powerhouse podcast wherever you listen. Your input helps us to continually refine our content to serve you better. Remember, our mission is your success. We've committed to providing you with the tools and insights to drive your business forward, and we're excited to have you on this journey with us. To stay up to date on the latest episodes, hit the subscribe button, and let's stay connected. Reach out to me on social media and continue the conversation and stay inspired. For resources and information, visit my website at glenpoolis.com. And before we sign off, remember, I'm Glenn Poulos and reminding you that your potential as a business leader is limitless. Thank you for being a part of this podcast where your success story begins.